Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. And we are coming to you live and direct at the end of Transfer Deadline Day. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And I'm joined by two of my favourite people in the world, Mr. Ben Jarman, the professor. Yes, Jack. Hello, mate. Nice to speak to Hello, you. Hello, mate. And you, as always. And of course, our WKD warrior, Mr. Dominic Betts. How are you? Not bad, mate. Not bad. Well, you know, after a, a weird window where we signed some good players and then also struggled a bit with signing we've done the business on deadline day three signings through the door for Fulham uh, the first of which was Joachim Anderson uh, from Leon, and then we signed Tosin Adrabayo from Manchester City and to add to it all Ruben Loftus-Cheek from Chelsea coming in late in the day something we very much weren't expecting when we opened up this morning I mean what are your thoughts? A good day for Fulham. I'll start with you, Ben. Yeah, it's been a really good day for Fulham, actually. Um, I think probably better than a lot of us thought it would be. There were some of the names that were bounded about throughout the course of the week, and in particular the last few days, some not as convincing as others, but to land Anderson, who's Leon's record signing, uh, Adrabayo, who's got a bright future ahead of him, and then Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who was been to a World Cup with England and nailed on to have a, a great international career in the future is, is a is a great day for Fulham in my opinion. Dom, your your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think you know these these are well maybe not central midfield but definitely strengthening positions. I think one thing you got to look at is obviously there we there's still options for us to sort of buy players from teams in the championship. One player we've obviously been linked with before is Josh King, and I still think we're actually favourites to sign, but I think we've got another two weeks window where we can actually try and get them in. But um, I don't know. I maybe would have wanted players as a bit more Premier League experience, maybe. But that that's just me analysing compared to our transfer window last time, where a lot of the issues were because players didn't have uh, international experience. But no, as you say, we've got Anderson in from Leon, who was very good, um, obviously, at Sampdoria before he moved to Leon last summer. He's obviously he played with Ken Tete before, obviously, at, at Leon. Um, yeah, lost his cheek, I think, will add something different to um to what our attack would bring because if if we're looking at where he pl- he play you'd expect him if we, if we do continue with three three at the back which it looks like we might do um you'd expect him to be one of the positions in behind uh, Mitrovic, which hopefully means I don't have to watch Cavalero play week in, week out anymore. Um, <laughs> Fingers. We, all, we all have our, our vices, and, and that's one of mine, watching Ivan Cavalero lose the ball on the left wing. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously tossing Adrabaya. I'm going to go with that. Um, yeah, obviously he's had some good good loan spells in the championship, and you know he definitely wants to make a step up to um, the Premier League. I was actually quite surprised getting him on, on, a, on a permanent deal as opposed to um, a, a loan move but yeah no I think we've, we've signed the players we need to I just personally would have liked defenders with a bit more Premier League experience but we, we who knows if, if we can get the Anderson that was at Sampdoria it will be a very good signing yeah absolutely I mean Ben we'll work through them you know slightly one by one and and, and Dom's talked about Joachim Anderson there and he, he was exceptional in that Sampdoria side under Gianpaolo and he, he really did look sharp and then he became Leon's record signing last summer and it all just hasn't quite worked out for him in France but there's definitely a player in there and you know he's a Danish international albeit with one cap <laughs> um, but it's um, but he is an international and and he is a player who should come in here and if he can hit the ground running, you know, 24 years old, we've not bought another kid. He is young and, and able to, to grow, but but definitely someone who's already got 100 plus games in top flight football under his belt. 
Yeah, this is a guy that's already had quite an extensive career. Um, he's played for the two biggest clubs in Denmark um, and then uh, obviously moved to Sampdoria. And uh, the, the summer in which he moved, he was one of the most highly rated prospects in the whole of Europe. So I think that underlines the sort of player we're going to get. He's a guy that came in, uh, in as a very raw talent and then grew into a great centre-half at, at Sampdoria, taking them to, I think it was a ninth-place finish in Serie A in the end. Absolutely. Um, which is, for a club of, of Sampdoria uh, size and, and the toils they've had in the past is a, is a fantastic result. I and mean, for them to get an initial €24 million, Euros, which was raising up to 30 um, with add-ons, He's such a great deal for them. Obviously, you look at his time at Lyon and in France, and to use your words, Jack, it has been a little bit weird for him. Um, someone that he started his Lyon career really well, um, but then Lyon decided to switch to a back three um, and they went really deep into the Champions League and he didn't really seem to suit that back three. Um, but I, again, I, as you say, like the pedigree is there. He's a guy of, of 100 games uh, and two of Europe's biggest leagues, uh, a bright future ahead of him and... To, to underline it, someone like Aulas, the the chairman of Lyon, wouldn't have spent thirty million euros on him if he didn't think he was any good. Yeah, I mean, we we will come on to it a little bit more with Loftus Cheek, but uh, we were told that we weren't in the business of developing other people's players, and uh, this is a loan with no option to buy Dom. I mean, that slightly worries me. I think if he comes in here and has an absolute stormer, uh, then obviously we're not going to have that option, or it's going to be absolutely incredible in terms of how much money we'd have to pay. But in the short term, if this is something that helps keep us up, then it's got to be a good thing. Yeah, I think these, I wouldn't say they're last minute deals, but they're not exactly players who've been linked with the entirety of the window, which then has taken, you know, the entire length of the window to do. I think, you know, he, Tony Khan spoke about how he somehow didn't, was unable to sign four different centre-back targets. So is this, obviously, again, you, you can argue it's maybe off, off fifth choice centre-back of who we wanted, but I think just getting some centre-backs in just just to breathe some new life into the defence is what's needed. Yes, there was an improvement, obviously, in the Wolves game by only conceding one goal um, and lasting an hour or two out before conceding. But, yeah, I think it is worrying that Tony Khan came out and said, oh, yeah, we're not in the business of developing other teams' players and then we end up getting getting two of them in on loan on, on deadline day. No, it's, it's a strange one, but at least at least it's, uh, it's one through the door. And, I mean, something you mentioned there, Dom was was about the the back three and how 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 that back three has seemed to stem the tide a little bit you know in in the Wolves game and whether we continue with that and yet that kind of conflicts with the fact that Anderson has kind of struggled to adapt to that back three and to be fair so did Kenny Tete in his time at Leon. so I mean maybe with with Loftus-Cheek coming in and, and that kind of energy going back into the midfield it is a kind of move back towards a back four and something where we'd be a little bit more settled, which which might actually balance the team a little bit more now because there'll be a little bit more energy and legs to defend that back four. Yeah, I think with 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 the with a back three, I think once Harrison reads back in the fold, it might actually make more sense. Um because you know, as much as Ken, he's played well in the last two games. Uh, he's not he's not one you want in a midfield midfield two in a sort of three four three formation. Um, so yeah, I think I think it, what these signings will do will give us options because you know you know we got we can we can play as you said a back four back three however you want to call it. You got obviously Ruben Loftus Cheek who can play across the midfield and even you know in the in the four positions as well. So I think that's one thing that these signings do give us. They are give, they are giving us a lot more options because if you're looking at our squad at the moment, it is quite thin in terms of sort of tactical variations. I guess. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely it. It's 
these different options and, and different things that are, are ready to change things up. I mean, let's talk about Loftus-Cheek, uh, Ben, and, and the, the fact is that we've got a player of absolute class here. And, and ultimately, if it does carry on and he can stay fit, then this is an incredible signing. But the big question is, can he stay fit? Because this is a man whose legs have been basically made out of Weetabix <laughs> for the last couple of seasons. You know, you put a little bit of hot milk on him and, and he just sort of melts. So <laughs> so we have, a, we have a big job on our hands if we're keeping him fit, but one that if pays off would be a huge, huge win. Yeah, massively. It's a guy that's going to close the gap between that midfield uh, and, and forward line. And I think that was probably the one ingredient that we had missing against Wolves was the fact that we looked fairly competent at the back, but going forwards, they're really seem to be a missing link um it would be nice potentially to have a strong runner out of that midfield there because we have one in Anguissa and we have one that's particularly not particularly strong in Tom Kearney I think uh, it'll be good for us if we're trying to play on the counter I think in his loan at Crystal Palace and when he's played for England and Chelsea one of the things that he's underlined is how strong Ruben Loftus-Cheek is on the ball um, how much he'll be able to drive out of out of um possession and when we get that ball uh, and to to drive through the thirds I think it's a good option for us and I think for someone of his his profile to come out uh, and join a club of our stature and, and current situation that we're in it is is a massive coup for us um, obviously we'd hope it would have been done much earlier in the window but I mean to secure someone of that stature is, as I said is is good for us. Yeah, Dom you follow England all over the place and an RLC is someone who has many England caps under his belt already even at this age I mean are you excited for this one? Yeah I think at, at the World Cup he was I thought I thought he was sensational for us really I think he was and I wouldn't say he was our best player but I think I don't know. Maybe he got enough. He gets enough credit for how well he did play at the 2018 World Cup. I mean, he probably played better in the tournament. Probably I know different positions, but he actually played better than Harry Kane played in that tournament. I know Harry Kane won the Golden Boot, but I mean, I think one of them was from open play. <laughs> so no, he was he was sensational in, in 2018 World Cup, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what he brings and sort of how Scott Parker. Uh, fits him into sort of the team really because we know the qualities there it's just always been with him with injuries and then you know so we, we know we know the qualities there of Rumnos Cheek we saw that when he's played for Chelsea we've seen that when he was on loan at Crystal Palace a couple of years ago so no I'm looking for um, this is out of all the ones I know we needed defenders but Loftus Cheek's definitely the one that's going to be the most exciting I think yeah absolutely and a word Ben on Tosin Adrabayo now He's been at Man City for a long time and he's been out on loan, two big loans, one in the West Brom and one with Blackburn Rovers, both in the championship. Now, he's someone who said that he basically was ready for Premier League football. He's done two years in the championship and he's ready for that step up and he's made a huge you know, gamble on his career to basically be like, right, I'm I'm good enough now already and I want to leave. And, you know, one, you've got to respect that confidence, but two, Tony Mowbray said that he was the kind of player that Blackburn would love to keep, but they had no chance of signing in a million years. There's nothing but praise from Blackburn fans on the timelines about how good he was last year. And and it does give you confidence that this is a player that, that will be able to step up. Massively. I think this is a guy that's got a massive amount of ambition uh, and has made a good impact on all uh, all of Manchester City's um, coaching staff and the, the clubs that he's been on loan at as well. So for us, it's a massive deal. I, I mean, it's reported to be an £8 million deal, a uh, three-year option uh, with with a, an option for the club to take one more year. So I think it's it, for us, it almost seems like a no-brainer. Um, he's a guy that's going to be able to fit right in in a, in a in a system of a five at the back 
But then also, if we if worst comes to worst and we are relegated, then he becomes an asset for us in the cha- in the championship. The guy that's already demonstrated significant experience at, and you know a capability to perform at that level. So for us, I think it's a great pickup. Not only does it look to the future, but it also seems to safeguard us if, as I say, the worst does happen, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, you know, a player like that is, is always exciting to have in because I think that there's, you know, space to grow as well as everything else. And and obviously this one's a permanent. And while there is that kind of always fear that you, you might have a buyback option or you might see his, his long-term future at a higher level, this is something that we can look at and, and develop. But Dom, I just kind of wanted to get your kind of holistic view on the entire window if you look at what Fulham's business has been it's been Harrison Reed made permanent Kenny Tete and Ola Aina came in Mario Lamina has come in on loan with an obligation to buy if we stay up Anthony Robinson's come in Adamola Lookman's come in alone but with no option same with Joachim Anderson and Alphonse Ariola, and then Adra Bayo and Ruben Loftus-Cheek is that a whole a good window because you read them out there and you think it's hard to, to not look at that in a positive light yeah, I think we've ba- I think we we've improved in the places. Obviously, we needed to. I'd say the only position we maybe haven't is maybe a, a backup striker. But we know obviously that it's it's very especially in the way the window in the way the market is at the moment. Getting a backup striker in at this stage is going to be a very very hard job. Obviously, we could still end up signing someone like Josh King from Bournemouth because obviously, as I said, there's you know a couple more weeks till that deadline is. But yeah, I think you have to be somewhat happy with our business. But I just would have liked defenders in a lot earlier I think it's it's always going to be you always want to because that was the most important area for us to strengthen if you ask me and you know it's, it's taken until the very last day for us to get a couple over the line so that's 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 been my main gripe with the window but I think if you're analyzing it on you looking at players who've come in um yeah I think you've got to look at it as a positive window we probably could have done you know maybe more attacking options because I, I think our wingers are pretty poor, but obviously we've got Lutman in and, you know, uh, Lost Cheek can play there. But, you know, I think it's been a decent window. It's just, um, yeah, maybe maybe we've liked players, some players with more Premier League experience, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I think you've nailed it on the head there with maybe the actual the actual timings of the deals being perhaps the main point of concern. Ben, would you echo those frustrations? Is it, you know, these are all good deals and we're really pleased with them, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we kind of really wanted them in a month ago yeah it's very hard to disagree with what you and Dom have just said there and I think uh, what you'd like is ideally if those deals came actually in reverse and you were having all of our deadline day signings at the start of the window and potentially getting the rest in that we got in the start of the window now I mean obviously in hindsight it's very easy to say that but I think the ma- the massive frustration is that w- we've wasted six six and a half seven weeks blatantly ignoring uh, an area of development or area that needed upgrading um, and has needed to be for near on two years now. I know we signed Michael Hector in last summer and we finally managed to see him play only in January. But that being said, it's been blindingly obvious that we've needed another centre-half for the best part of two years. Um, we haven't, we've we've signed Alfie Mawson, obviously has uh, no knees whatsoever. Um, and then we have Hector, but even even then, we haven't had that top quality centre-half that we've really needed. And I think that that, that is a massive um, strike against Tony Khan, to be completely honest with you. Um, and the fact that we seemingly have been flirting with a player that had more interesting, as Sammy rightly said on Twitter, spending 12 months in HMP1 with Scrubs than in SW6, it absolutely smacks of incompetence for me. You know, like, I know we all get that Jean-Claire Tadebo is is a, a player with a great future. 
um, massive potential. Uh, already played for Barcelona, um, has had good time in uh, the Bundesliga too. But he had literally no intention of coming to Fulham. But we kept trying to push the deal over the line. I know Barcelona have a very cut cutthroat way of dealing with with uh, transfers. But even so, if a player doesn't want to come, you don't pursue him. You pursue other targets. And it's taken us until the, the 11th hour for us to do that. And I feel like it's just banging our head against a brick wall. Yeah, no, it, it does feel like that sometimes. But, um, you know, we've got to we've got to take it now. And, and this is what we have to work with, at least until January. And and hopefully this international break now will help us to, to, to get these players bedded in, to get them sorted and, and really start to kick on. However... Other things have happened this week. Not only have we signed some players on deadline day, but we've also played a game uh, against Wolverhampton Wanderers, <laughs> and we're going to be looking at Fulham's perhaps best performance in the Premier League so far, albeit one which didn't result in any points after the break. Don't go anywhere. Hey, sleepyhead. Why so sleepy? Oh, it's because your mattress is a bag of potatoes and scrap metal. You should try a Nectar mattress. With award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Jack Collins, and I'm joined by Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. And Don Betts. Hello. It's a... you know, we're looking back at we've had a good day today in the transfer market and it wasn't a good day on Sunday because Fulham lost. But in comparison to some of the other performances we've seen, especially the two earlier in the week, it, it felt a little bit more like a moral victory. What are your thoughts on uh, the Wolverhampton Wanderers game? And we start off as ever with Dom doing some three word reviews. Yeah, so we have Lydia Campbell with Look for Lookman. Uh, Richard Bamba, who's obviously here every single week. Yeah, so solid crew sat in a nearly in bracket. AF uh, with surprisingly not disappointed. Uh, Ivan Berry was so much better. Um, then we have the cruel truth with straight out of Leipzig. Uh, Sophie Johnson is hey good Lookman. Yeah, I mean a lot of them about Adamola Lookman, which is obviously one thing, and but also a lot of them are more positive than usual. I mean Ben, what did you think? It was a, it was a strange old game in some ways because we were expecting it to be you know more difficult than it. It sort of appeared to be for Fulham, and uh, and for for large swathes of the game, we looked more than comfortable. It was a really weird one because we actually looked fairly competent for the best part of sixty minutes. Um, I thought we held the shape out of possession really, really well. Um, there seemed to be a lot of communication going on, and the midfield um, they tracked their runners really well for sixty minutes. And I think their goal was fairly unfortunate. There's a lot of people, a lot of bodies in the way of Ariola there. And if there's one thing that a keeper hates, it's a lot of people in front of him whilst he's trying to track the ball. Um, good finish by Pedro Neto, though. But in terms of Fulham, I thought there are definitely green shoots of recovery there for, for them to play the way they did with such togetherness after three. I imagine there would be soul-crushing defeats from the players. was was really good. I think um, this the development on the system, that five-at-the-back system, was was night and day from from Wolves to Aston Villa and vice versa. I do think, though, that one of the biggest factors in this result being, although negative but positive in the same aspect, is that Wolves had a really bad day. Um, and I don't think they looked anywhere near their best. They're, when they didn't start Traore, they had uh, Max Kilman at the back um, and they, they really lacked uh, that sort of creativity they normally have in midfield and the wing backs. But um, I think there, there are some incredibly... Um, 
some some bright things from Fulham there. I thought Anguissa in the middle was really good. Tim Ream had a good game. Um, a bar his crossing, I thought Olaina was fairly passable. Uh, and I thought Ariola in goal was superb, commanding that box and, and a great double save. Yeah, I mean, one that note I noticed, Dom, was that it, Tom Kearney seemed to be much more comfortable and stroked the ball about really nicely. And I thought it was a much better game from the skipper. Yeah, and I th- I, to be fair, I think even in the Aston Vic, Aston Villa game he was the only one who looked like he could pass a football like <laughs> so no, I think I think yeah he's, he's looking a lot more comfortable in that field I think we are going to see him used now as we saw in the playoff final really he's a much more deeper midfielder than maybe been used to in previous seasons but yeah again there was there was some there was strong performance from a lot of people obviously you spoke about Ariola. obviously there was nothing he could really do with the finish from Pedro Neto um yeah said Tom Kearney played well thought Robinson looked looked decent off apart from a couple of mistakes um, and then, as, as you said, Adam and Lutman again, once he came on, looked like, well, I mean, it's not that hard to be one of our greatest wingers. I mean, I love Nisins Gabbana, but when you've got Knockout and Cavalera to, as, the, as two of the others, uh, it's not really that hard to look good. But yeah, again, Lutman looked great. And I'd hopefully hope he's going to start um, against Sheffield United after the international break. Because again, he, he looked like our best attacking outlet. Um, I still don't understand how Kamara put that shot straight at the keeper. He could have put it anywhere. And yeah, I mean, anywhere. it was just so frustrating, wasn't it? Like, it's one of those moments where you're like, right, Fulham have created a chance of real quality here. We've, you know, opened them up. It's a beautiful ball from Lookman. It's a really good run from Mitro. And he looks up, plays a perfectly weighted pass across. And Kamara just has all the time in the world and decides to take it first. It's just a, a shambles of a finish. But also, he's just come off the bench. It's not always the easiest straight away. It's just you hope he gets another chance to try and kind of make up for it but instead it just becomes Fulham's big chance and then just a huge missed opportunity. I'm just really surprised that Mitrovic didn't have a go himself like the angle's fairly good uh, and you'd back someone that scored that many goals over the past few seasons to have a go himself right? Yeah no I think it is true but it's also quite nice that he's looked up seen the the better option which is the right option really and if if you think about it in all of these senses it's the option you'd want your your player to take and yet it just really kind of you know crashes and burns once it hits Kamara and it, it's annoying. But perhaps the fact that that's Fulham's only real chance and it stands out because it was Fulham's only real chance is testament to the fact that we're clearly not creating enough. And yes, we looked much better defensively. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we created very little mm. and I didn't massively trust us to get back into it. And when that chance was missed, you know, it did feel like that was the moment. And once it was gone, Fulham kind of rarely threatened again. Nice periods of pressure on the Wolves' goal, for sure. But actually creating clear-cut opportunities, very few of them. I mean, yeah, I think I completely agree with you, Jack. We did look toothless there up until that one opportunity. Uh, it did get better when Lookman came on, seemed to create m- many more chances and actually pass the ball, which is something that I don't think even Cavalero's done since 2016 from memory. So... Yeah, it's looking it's looking up with Lookman coming. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like, let's, you know, we'll move it on because I think we're excited about going forward now. It's an international break, Dom, and, and obviously mine and yours favourite time of the year. We love an international break, but Fulham have work to do over this international break. What would you like to see from, from Scott Parker? And what do you expect us to see by the time that we play Sheffield United? Do you expect this squad to have gelled a little bit more, to be a little bit more cohesive than what we're looking at right now? Yeah, I think it, one one thing I think you need to work on is I know I know we looked a bit better tactically uh, against Wolves, but I think that's what you got to build got to build on because if you especially against Aston Villa, they looked like they hadn't even trained in about five. Like it, it was it was it was all over the shop, and it was interesting to see obviously 
how 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 he looks to set us up against Sheffield United. But I think yeah, I think it's all about gelling these players, but also just tactically because I think we we did look as I said look better against Wolves. But I do think that the ta- the tactical area of our game, especially in 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 our defensive line, I think is something we, that needs to be worked on over over the next sort of ten days to two weeks. But yeah, I think I'm I'm looking forward to. But obviously, you know, still be some players who are away on international duty, so obviously some won't be back until until obviously next week. And obviously there's in Europe anyway, teams have got three international games. So the players aren't the players who, who are going away, someone like Mitrovic, um he, he's he's gonna be knackered if he's if we playing three games in a week and then playing Sheffield United. But yeah, and no, I think as you, as I said, I think the main thing I think Scott Parker we wanted to work on is gelling this team and drilling into them how we're going to play tactically uh, against someone of Sheffield United's. Uh, they haven't really shown their quality so far this season, but you know we saw the quality they had last season. I think it's just, yeah, making sure we look like a fluid tactical system as opposed to what we have done in certain games this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, then the next four games, we said it and it, it's, it's easy to say it here, but, but are huge because Fulham have Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, West Brom, West Ham. And then following those four games, we have Everton at home, Leicester away, City, and then Liverpool. Hmm. You know, you know, we're not expecting to get four anything out of those four, but the four before them need to be a good run for Fulham if we're going to have any chance here. Because if we get to that Everton game and we're still in a, in a dire predicament, then by you know mid December, Fulham are looking a little bit ropey, and that is not a place we want to be. No, absolutely not. We don't want to get into December when we have a really tough run of fixtures around that Christmas period where it's so congested and totally fighting for our lives like we did last time. We need to get as many positive results across those four games as possible. I think, I know they won so many plaudits last year, but Sheffield United this year look an absolute shell of what they were. They've only managed one goal so far this season. They don't look that up to it when attacking. Um, and they certainly haven't had the ingenuity that they had last year under Wilder. So I think this game for us presents a massive opportunity to get three points on the board. Uh, if not, I mean, a draw at the very least, but we have to be going for the win here. Uh, it's a, a direct relegation rival looking at those opening four games. We have to start taking points off them now. I know we said throughout the podcast over the last four games where we've previewed and reviewed that we need to take as many points as we can here and that they are in quotation marks easier games but there's no easy games in the Premier League and I know that's such a cliche but out of the four games we expected to get something from we've got nothing so we need to start now before it's too late yeah no absolutely I mean let's let's close this podcast off with a little bit of chat about the next week obviously Dom you mentioned it in the first half uh, and you said about the fact that the EFL window is, is still open you know, is there a couple of players that you, you like? I know you said Josh King already. I'm not 100% sure that that one will work. I know Josh King has, we are leading the race in terms of the bookies, but Josh King has made it abundantly clear over the last couple of months that he sees himself as a number nine and he's not going to come in and be Fulham starting number nine. So there's lots of difficulties, I think, there with, with how that might work. But are there other names in in the AFL that you think might be good additions to this Fulham side that would really turn this window from a good window into a great one? I mean, I'm, I mean, I know we're not favourites to get him, but we have obviously we have been linked with one point with side Ben Rama from Brentford. But 
Yeah, I'm, I'm only only player I can, I'm really, that's really we've been linked with. I'd say is Josh King, and that's the only one I can potentially see is getting done. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't end up bringing anyone in in this EFL window because it's not only being linked to loads of players uh, down in the chat. Ben, is there anyone that stands out for you? Yeah, I think there's one player that stands out for me, and I think it's probably the same player that you would like us to to go out and buy as well. I think it's Saeed Ben Rama. I think we it would be nice to have some sort of creativity up front, that that flair, um, someone that can create something out of nothing. And I know we're waxing lyrical about a Brentford player and it's something that pains all of us but I think it's just you know you go and drop 20 30 million on on him and and you hope that he can carry the form that he's had for the past year or so at Brentford into the Premier League if possible yeah I mean Fulham the one that Fulham have had an inquiry in for is Todd Campwell at Norwich now whether that is the kind of move that makes sense now that Loftus Cheek is has come through the door is slightly maybe more up for debate, but but definitely a player who can create, who can play in that ten role, who can play wide, who gives you that versatility, and would add some you know serious creative impetus to this side. Dom, you're Campwell, someone that you, you'd bring in? Um, I don't know because obviously I feel like, speaking to some of my friends who are Norwich fans, they they say like he's a very match of a day type player, and he will look good. For like the five minutes highlights that he watched, but he said actually throughout the ninety, he isn't. He hasn't been that happy with him. I don't know if it's whether he down tool towards the end of the season, but it's not someone that Norwich fans that I know are desperate to keep. So I'm not. I'm not, I'm not sure if and you know if we bring in another central midfielder. I just. I just. I'm not saying we. Could, I don't think. I'm not saying. Oh, we have too many. But I mean, just sort of trying to keep all these centre midfielders happy. You know, you've got Reed, Lamina, and Gisa. I mean, Seri hasn't left. Seri doesn't look like Seri's leaving. Obviously, there's there's other in, there's other sort of countries transfer windows still open, so it could be a possibility um, for him to move on. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, Todd Catmull's not someone that screams out to me. I'm looking. I'm definitely looking at an, a more attacking players who are going to add some skill and quality to our front line because at the moment. Yeah, Lookman's look good, but but we, apart from that, I wouldn't say any of our like the likes of Wimbledon over Reed, Cavalera, and Knockout. I've, I've sort of come across as Premier League level players, so I'll definitely be looking to strengthen our attacking line instead of the central midfield. Emmy Buendia for you, Ben. I would love Emmy Buendia. Yeah, I was about to say that. I think he he would be a great and great addition for us. Um, my my only reservation on Campwell is that, as as you rightly say, he he's a bit of a match of the day player, a little bit of a highlight reel. Um, and I think after lockdown, I think his form really suffered and he didn't produce for Norwich the same sort of form that he had pre-lockdown. And obviously we know it's difficult coming back from a period of, of such rest and to try and get back up to full speed. However, you would say that once he realised how much of a precarious position Norwich are in, that he's, his form really waned off that. But I feel like there's a lot of potential in Todd, but I'm not really sure it's the right sort of person that we should be after. Um, I would much prefer Buendia, um, who has that dynamism, a little bit more raw pace and uh, that little bit of vision that, that can turn the game. Yeah, he's a, he's a gem of a player to watch, let's put it that way. Um, that is pretty much all from us today as Fulham finally get two centre-backs through the door on deadline day. Welcome Joachim Anderson and welcome Tosim Adarabayo. It's two very much needed centre-backs as well and of course there's the little matter of we signed Ruben Loftus-Cheek and all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to the Professor Ben Jarman. Thanks Jack, thanks Dom, nice to speak to you both again. Thank you very much to our WKD warrior Mr Dominic Betts. That's all right. I've been Jack Collins, this has been Fulhamish Podcast and we will be back 
with some bits and bobs during the international break and then of course in full steam before that Sheffield United game. Hope you enjoy the signings. We hope there's a few more to come in the next week in the EFL window and well, you whites. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! A podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. A cash recommends. recommends.